Book Thirteen, Part Two of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. On the other side, Aeneas, to his aid, summoned his brother chiefs. Deiphobus, and Paris, and Agenor, following whom came on the general crowd, as flocks of sheep from pasture follow to their drinking place the lordly ram, well pleased the shepherd sees. So pleased Aeneas saw the gathering crowd. Then o'er Alcathous hand to hand was waged the war of spears. Dire was the clash of brass upon the heroes' breasts, as mid the press each aimed at other. Proudly eminent stood forth two mighty warriors, terrible as Mars, Aeneas, and Idomeneus, their sharp spears wielding each at other's life. First at Idomeneus Aeneas threw his spear. He saw and shunned the brazen point, and vainly from his stalwart hand dismissed, Aeneas's spear stood quivering in the ground. Idomeneus in front, below the waist, Inomaeus struck. The weighty spear broke through the hollow breastplate, and the intestines tore. Prone in the dust he fell, and clutched the ground. Forthwith Idomeneus, from out the corpse, the ponderous spear, withdrew yet could not strip his armor off so thickly flew the spears nor did his feet retain their youthful force his weapon to regain or back to spring skilled in the standing fight his life to guard he lacked the active power of swift retreat at him retiring slow Deiphobus, still filled with anger, threw his glittering spear. His aim he missed, but through the shoulder pierced Ascalaphus, a valiant son of Mars. Prone in the dust he fell, and clutched the ground. Nor knew the loud-voiced mighty god of war, that in the stubborn fight his son had fallen. On high Olympus, girt with golden clouds, he sat amid the immortals all, restrained by Jove's commands from mingling the war. How hand to hand around Ascalaphus raged the fierce conflict. First, Deiphobus from off his head the glittering helmet tore. But 
terrible as Mars, Meriones sprang forth and pierced his arm, and from his hand with hollow sound the crested helmet fell. On, like a vulture, sprang Meriones, and from his arm the sturdy spear withdrew. Then backward leaped amid his comrades' ranks, while round his brother's waist Polites threw his arms and led him from the battlefield to where, with charioteer and rich-wrought car, Beyond the fight his flying coursers stood. Him, racked with pain and groaning, While the blood streamed down his wounded arm, To Troy they pour. The rest fought on, and loud the tumult rose. Aeneas through the throat of Afarius, Calator's son, turned sideways toward him, drove his glittering spear, and down on the other side his shield and helmet following sank his head, and o'er his eyes were cast the shades of death. As Thoon turned, Antilochus, who watched the occasion, forward sprang, and with his spear ripped all the flesh that lay along the spine, up to the neck. He backward fell, with hands uplifted, calling for his comrade's aid. But forward sprang Antilochus, and tore his armour from his breast, while round he cast his watchful glances, for on every side, on his broad shield, the Trojans showered their blows, but touched him not. For Neptune, mid the throng of weapons, threw his guard o'er Nestor's son, but in their midst co-mingled, nor held motionless his spear, but ever threatening, turned from side to side, prepared to hurl, or hand to hand engage. Him Adamus, the son of Asius, marked, as o'er the crowd he glanced, and springing forth, struck with his spear the centre of the shield. But dark-haired Neptune grudged the hero's life, and stayed the brazen point. Half in the shield, like a fire-hardened stake, remained infixed. The other half lay broken on the ground. Back to his comrades' sheltering ranks he sprang in hope of safety. But Meriones, quick following, plunged his weapon through his groin, where sharpest agony to wretched men attends on death. There planted he his spear, around the shaft he writhed, 
and gasping groaned, like to a mountain bull, which, bound with cords, the herdsmen drag along, with struggles vain resisting, so the wounded warrior groaned. But not for long, for fierce Meriones, approaching, from his body tore the spear, and the dark shades of death his eyes o'erspread. Then Helenus, a weighty Thracian sword, wielding aloft across the temples, smote Deipyrus, and all his helmet crashed, which, as it rolled beneath their feet, some Greek seized mid the press, his eyes were closed in death. The valiant Menelaus, Atreus' son, with grief beheld, and royal Helenus, with threatening mien approaching, poised on high his glittering spear, while he the bowstring drew. Then simultaneous flew from either side the gleaming spear and arrow from the string. The shaft of Priam's son below the breast the hollow cuirass struck and bounded off. As bound the dark-skinned beans or clattering peas from the broad fan upon the threshing floor, by the brisk breeze impelled, and winnower's force, from noble Menelaus' cuirass, so the stinging arrow bounding glanced afar. But valiant Menelaus, Atreus' son, transfixed the hand that held the polished bow. The brazen point passed through and to the bow the hand was pinned. Back to his comrades' ranks he sprang, in hope of safety, hanging down the wounded limb that trailed the ashen spear. Agenor from the wound the spear withdrew, and from a twisted sling of woolen cloth Agenor from the wound the spear withdrew, and with a twisted sling of woolen cloth by an attendant brought, bound up the hand. To noble Menelaus stood opposed Pisander, to the confines dark of death, led by his evil fate, by thee to fall, great son of Atreus, in the deadly strife, when near they drew, Atrides missed his aim with erring spear divergent. Next his shield Pisander struck, but drove not through the spear, for the broad shield resisted, and the shaft was snapped in sunder. Menelaus saw rejoicing and with hope of triumph flushed. Unsheathing then his silver-studded sword rushed on Pisander. He, beneath his shield, drew forth a ponderous brazen battle-axe, 
with handle long of polished olive wood and both at once in deadly combat joined then just below the plume pisander struck the crested helmet's peak but atreus's son met him advancing and across the brow smote him above the nose loud crashed the bone and in the dust the gory eyeballs dropped before him doubled with the pain he fell the victor planting on his chest his foot stripped off his arms and thus exulting cried thus shall ye all insatiate of the fight proud trojans from before our ships depart nor lack your share of insult and of wrong such as on me vile hounds ye cast erewhile nor feared the avenger of the slighted laws of hospitality high thundering jove who soon your lofty city shall o'erthrow kindly received my virgin wedded wife with store of goods ye basely bore away and now ye rage infuriate to destroy with fire our ocean-going ships and slay our grecian heroes but the time shall come when ye too fain would from the war escape o father jove tis said that thou excellest in wisdom gods and men all human things from thee proceed and can it be that thou with favour seest these men of violence these trojans with presumptuous courage filled whose rage for the battle knows nor stint nor bound men are with all things sated sleep and love sweet sounds of music and the joyous dance of these may some more gladly take their fill but trojans still for war insatiate thirst thus menelaus and the blood-stained arms stripped from the corpse and to his comrades gave then joined again the foremost in the fray there to the encounter forth harpalian sprang son of king polymenes who came his father following to the war of troy but back returned not to his native land he standing near full in the centre struck atrides shield but drove not through the spear back to his comrades sheltering ranks he sprang in hopes of safety glancing all around his body to defend but as he turned in his right flank a brazen pointed shaft shot by meriones was buried deep beneath the bone it passed and pierced him through at once he fell 
and gasping out his life amid his comrades writhing on the ground like a crushed worm he lay and from the wound the dark blood pouring drenched the thirsty soil the valiant troops of paphlagonia closed around him on his car they placed the slain and deeply sorrowing to the city bore his father weeping walked beside the car nor vengeance for his slaughtered son obtained paris with grief and anger saw him fall for he in former days his guest had been in paphlagonia then with anger filled a brass-tipped arrow from his bow he sent a certain man there was eucenor named who dwelt in corinth rich of blameless life the son of politus skilful seer his fate well knowing he embarked for oft the good man had told him that his doom was or at home by sharp disease to die or with the greeks by trojan hands to fall embarking he escaped alike the fine by greeks imposed and pangs of sharp disease him paris smote between the ear and jaw swift fled his spirit and darkness closed his eyes thus raged like blazing fire the furious fight but not as yet had hector heard nor knew how sorely leftward of the ships were pressed the trojans by the greeks and now appeared in triumph sure such succour neptune gave their courage rousing and imparting strength but there he kept where first the serried ranks of greeks he broke and stormed the wall and gates there beached beside the hoary sea the ships of ajax and protesilaus lay there had the wall been lowest built and there were gathered in defence the chiefest all horses and men the stout boeotians there joined to the ionians with their flowing robes lyrians and phthians and epeans proud could scarce protect their ships nor could repel the impetuous fire of godlike hector's charge there too the choicest troops of athens fought their chief menestheus phtaeus's son with whom were phidus stachius bias in command the epeans Meges, phileus's son obeyed and dracius and amphion medon next with brave podarsis led the thyan host medon the great oileus's bastard son brother of ajax he in phylace far from his native land was driven to dwell since one to Arialpis near akin his sire oileus's wife his hand had slain 
Pedarsis, from Iphiclus, claimed his birth, the son of Phylacus. These two, in arms, the valiant Phaeans, leading to the fight, joined the Boeotian troops to guard the ships. But from the side of Ajax Telamon stirred not a whit Oileus's active son, but as on fallow land, with one accord, two dark-red oxen drag the well-wrought plough, streaming with sweat that gathers round their horns. They, by the polished yoke, together held, the stiff soil cleaving down the furrow strain. So, closely side by side, those two advanced, but comrades, many and brave, on Telamon attended, who, whene'er with toil and sweat his limbs grew faint, upheld his weighty shield. While in the fray, no Locrians followed, theirs were not the hearts to brook the endurance of the standing fight, nor had they brass-bound helms with horsehair plume, nor ample shields they bore, nor ashen spear, but came to Troy in bows and twisted slings of woolen cloth confiding, and from these their bolts quick showering broke the Trojan ranks, while those in front in glittering arms opposed the men of Troy, by noble Hector led. These in the rear unseen their arrows shot, nor stood the Trojans, for amid their ranks the galling arrows dire confusion spread. Then had the Trojans from the ships and tents back to the breezy heights of Troy been driven in flight disastrous. But Polydamus drew near to Hector and addressed him thus, Hector, I know thee, how unapt thou art to hearken to advice, because the gods have given thee to excel in warlike might, thou deemest thyself in counsel too supreme, yet every gift thou canst not so combine. To one the gods have granted warlike might, to one the dance, to one the lyre and song, while in another's breast all-seeing Jove hath placed the spirit of wisdom, and a mind discerning for the common good of all. By him are states preserved, and he himself best knows the value of the precious gift. Then hear what seems to me the wisest course. On every side the circling ring of war is blazing all around thee, and thou seest our valiant Trojans, since the wall they scaled, or stand aloof, or scattered mid the ships, outnumbered, with superior forces strive. Then, thou retiring, hither call the chiefs. Here we take counsel fully, if to fall upon their well-manned ships, should heaven vouchsafe the needful strength, or scatheless yet withdraw. For much I fear, 
they soon will pay us back their debt of yesterday, since in their ranks one yet remains insatiate of the fight, and he, methinks, not long will stand aloof. Thus he, the prudent counsel Hector pleased. Down from his chariot with his arms he leaped, and to Polydamus his speech addressed. Polydamus, detain thou here the chiefs, thither will I, and meet the front of war, and, given my orders, quickly here return. He said, and like a snow-clad mountain high, uprose, and loudly shouting, in hot haste, flew through the Trojan and confederate host. At sound of Hector's voice, round Panthous's son, Polydamus, were gathered all the chiefs. But mid the foremost combatants he sought, if haply, he might find Deiphobus, and royal Helenus, and Adamus, and gallant Asius, son of Herticus. These found he, not unscathed by wounds or death, for some beside the ships of Greece had paid, by Grecian hands, the forfeit of their lives, while others wounded lay within the wall. But to the leftward of the bloody fray, the godlike Paris, fair-haired Helen's lord, cheering his comrades to the fight, he found, and with reproachful words addressed him thus, Thou wretched Paris, fair in outward form, thou slave of woman, manhood's counterfeit. Where is Deiphobus, and where the might of royal Helenus? Where Adamus, the son of Asius? Where too Asius, son of Herticus? And where Othryoneus? Now from its summit totters to the fall our lofty Ilium, now thy doom is sure. To whom the godlike Paris thus replied, Hector, since blameless I incur thy blame, ne'er have I less withdrawn me from the fight, and me not wholly vile my mother bore. For since thou gavest command to attack the ships, we here against the Greeks unflinching war have waged. Our comrades, whom thou seek'st, are slain. Only Deiphobus hath left the field, and Helenus, both wounded by the spear, both through the hand. But Jove their life hath spared. But thou... Where'er thy courage bids, lead on. We shall be prompt to follow. To our power thou shalt in us no lack of valour find. Beyond his power the bravest cannot fight. Wrought on his brother's mind the hero's words. Together both they bent their steps, where raged the fiercest conflict. There Sobriones, Phalces, Orthius, 
brave Polydamus, Palmus, and godlike Polyphetes' might, and Morris and Ascanius fought. These two Hippotians' sons, from rich Ascanius' plains, they as reliefs but yestermorn had come. Impelled by Jove, they sought the battlefield. Onward they dashed, impetuous as the rush of the fierce whirlwind, which with lightning charged from father Jove sweeps downward o'er the plain. As with loud roar it mingles with the sea, the many dashing ocean's billows boil, upheaving, foam-white crested, wave on wave, so rank on rank, the Trojans closely massed, in arms all glittering, with their chiefs advanced. Hector, the son of Priam, led them on, in combat terrible as blood-stained Mars. Before his breast his shield's broad orb he bore, of hides close joined, with brazen plates o'erlaid. The gleaming helmet nodded o'er his brow. He, with proud step, protected by his shield, on every side the hostile ranks surveyed, if signs of yielding he might trace. But they unshaken stood, and with like haughty mien Ajax at Hector thus defiance hurled. Draw nearer! Mighty chief, why seek to scare our valiant Greeks? We boast ourselves of war, not wholly unskilled, though now the hand of Jove lies heavy on us with the scourge of heaven. Thou hopest, forsooth, our vessels to destroy, but stalwart arms for their defence we boast. Long ere that day shall your proud city fall, taken and destroyed by our victorious hands. Not far the hour when thou thyself in flight to Jove and all the gods shall make thy prayer, that swifter than the falcon's wing thy steeds may bear thee o'er the dusty plain to Troy. Thus, as he spoke, upon his right appeared an eagle, soaring high. The crowd of Greeks the favoring omen saw, and shouted loud. Then noble Hector thus. What words are these, Ajax, thou babbling braggart, vain of speech? For would to heaven I were as well assured I were the son of Aegis-bearing Jove, born of imperial Juno, and myself in equal honour with Apollo held, or blue-eyed Pallas, as I am assured this day is fraught with ill to all the Greeks. Thou, mid the rest, shalt perish, if thou dare my spear encounter, which thy dainty skin shall rend, and 
slain beside the ships, thy flesh shall glut the dogs and carrion birds of Troy. He said, and led them on. With eager cheers they followed, shouted loud the hindmost throng. On the other side the Greeks returned the shout. Of all the Trojans' bravest, they, unmoved, the onset bore. Their mingled clamours rose to heaven, and reached the glorious light of Jove. End of Book 13, Part 2